Mary, would you come and share our scripture? Good morning, Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 14, and it can be found in page 31 in your pew Bibles. He's him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Alter there and arrange the wood on it. He bound his head. He saw a ram caught by by its horns. He went over and took chapter 10, verse 40 through 42 which is found on page 1512 in your pew Bibles. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. The Lord, the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray together. Almighty God, before you our hearts are open. From you nothing is hidden. So Lord, we pray that you might cleanse our hearts. That we might be renewed, refreshed, restored, reconciled to you and to one another. O Lord, may our worship be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The more time you spend with scripture, there seems to be patterns or motifs that show themselves again and again and again in some of these very familiar stories. Here's one that I think is consistent throughout the Bible. 
Old and New Testaments, and that is this. When God is working in someone and is going to move them from here to here, when they are going to go up a level spiritually, often there's a test. There's difficulty. I think of Joseph in Egypt. And before he is elevated to a high place of esteem and leadership and influence in Pharaoh's court, what happens? He spends years in a jail in Egypt. I think of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the whole Hebrew tradition. Before God calls him to go to battle against spiritual forces of wickedness, what happens? He spends time in the wilderness where he's hungry and thirsty. I think of David, the greatest perhaps of all the kings of Israel, both the united and eventually the divided kingdoms. And before he becomes king, what happens? He's tormented and pursued by Saul, a man who's stricken with jealousy and hatred. Jesus, the Messiah, God in the flesh, before he launches into his public ministry where he teaches and heals and saves, what happens? For 40 days and nights he's in the wilderness where he's hungry and thirsty and subject to all sort of temptation. It seems to be a biblical principle that when one is going to move into another level in their relationship with God and others and the influence and impact that they have on the world around them, they go through a difficult period, a time of testing, a great trial. Maybe you can speak to that in your own life. Maybe you've gone through a a hard season, the loss of someone you love, a loss of a job, Maybe a financial difficulty, a relationship problem. And when God brings you through that time of trial, we can, we always don't, but we can emerge from that stronger, better, more committed and connected to God and to each other. There seems to be something about a time of difficulty that God can use to form the sorts of people that he's seeking to love and to serve him. We have one such story in our readings for today. Mary read for us. I dare say one of the most challenging scriptures in all of the Bible. The binding of Isaac. God calls to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you're going to sacrifice your son to me. The one you love. The promise. The one that Abraham had waited 25 years for. Recall, he's 75 when the word first comes to him that he's going to have an heir. And he's 100 when he's born. 25 years. 
oscillating between trust and belief and doubt and ridicule and laughter, Abraham and Sarah eventually have Isaac. 25 years they waited. And now God says, I want you to take the promise and give it back to me. My, my. So what does Abraham do? He gathers the necessary things. And he gets ready to do what God has asked him to do. Listen to these words again. Early the next morning, after Abraham receives this word from the Lord, he got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back. We know these stories so well, I think sometimes it's hard to empathize with the characters in the biblical text. This is 4,000 years ago, in a different culture, in a different place, with different people who looked and acted and did things very different than what we do today. It can be so hard to empathize. The definition of empathy, or at least a good working definition for us, is to be able to put yourselves in the shoes and in the perspective of another human being. To be able to see and to experience life from their vantage point. So try that for just a moment. Put yourselves in the shoes of Abraham. Well, Abraham and Isaac make their way up. They go to Mount Moriah. Abraham has made preparation, finds the place to offer a sacrifice to God, binds his son. And in the moment when he is about to follow through with the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord comes. And listen to what the angel of the Lord says. Abraham! Abraham! Now here's a little clue about things in the Old Testament. When the angel of the Lord or God's messenger comes and repeats someone's name twice, that means, this is important, this is big, stop, hold on. It's not just Abraham. Abraham! Abraham! And he stops. And the messenger says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. How can the messenger say that God now knows something? Doesn't that seem to contradict divine omnipotence? The messenger says that God now knows that you love him. Five minutes before, did God not know that? Great poet Emily Dickinson in one of her poems alludes to love and she says, don't tell me you love me. Show me. Don't tell me you love me. 
show me. You see, in this moment, something happens with Abraham's devotion and trust and love to Yahweh, to God. It moves from one realm into another realm. It moves from spoken into experiential. Now, at a gut level, it is known that Abraham loves God. Did God know before that Abraham loved him? Yes. Did God, who is all-knowing and all-powerful, who stands outside of the constraints of time and space and the physical world, know what was going to happen? Yes. But now, it's been experienced. It's been felt. In the moment where Abraham is asked to do the unthinkable, to give back to God this promise that had been given to him that he had waited for 25 years for, the one through whom God said all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And in that moment of trust and confidence, It goes beyond just words to experience. You see, friends, that's often where things change with us. With our relationships with other people and our relationships with God. See, God wants to move us beyond just the realm of saying that we love Him. Saying nice, wonderful things about God. Coming to church and singing hymns and reading Scripture and then going on about our lives as if nothing else has changed. Those are not the sort of followers that God wants. You know what God wants? People who are willing to put it all on the line. People who are willing to move out of the realm of talk into experience, into action, into real felt love. Those are the sorts of people that God is seeking. Then and now. And over again in Scripture, perhaps most clearly here in Genesis 22, a time of difficulty can move us from just words to action. How can Abraham do this with such confidence? I mean, if you read the text carefully, he doesn't seem to equivocate at all. God says, go do this, take your son. And then early the next morning, Abraham gets up and gets ready to go do it. How could he do that? You know, there's a couple passages in the New Testament where Jesus himself, God in the flesh, talks about Abraham. One is in conversation with the Pharisees. And what does Jesus say? Before Abraham was, tell him, I am sent you. I am. It's a difficult couple of words in Hebrew to translate, but it means the God who has been, is, and will be. A God in eternity. I am sent you. Jesus also says something else. In talking to the religious leaders, there's a section in the Gospels where Jesus says, Abraham saw my day. I day. What does that mean? Verse 4. On the third day, 
Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Mount Moriah, where Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac, do you know where it is? About 200 yards from Mount Calvary, from Golgotha. The place where the Savior died for you and me. Where God did not withhold His only Son, but gave Him up for us. Where the Lamb was provided as the sacrifice. Mount Moriah and Mount Calvary are right next to each other. And you can see one from the other. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place. There are moments, friends, perhaps in the most difficult moments of life where we get such clarity of vision, where God grants us something, some spiritual insight, some ability to see clearly, and we can trust the one who's with us even in the midst of life's storm. Friends, on the third day, it all happened. On the third day, He rose again. On the third day. And if we don't keep our eyes on the place, on the third day, how easy it can be. How easy it can be to be so caught up and distracted and dismayed and tempted and lose faith and lose sight of the one who's called us if we don't keep our eyes on the place. Friends, are you this morning feeling discouraged? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Are you feeling like you don't know what tomorrow will bring and you can't go on? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Are you feeling tempted today? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Are you feeling broken hearted? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Friends, Abraham saw something to go through in full faith and confidence that the God who had brought him that far would not pull back on his promise, but would see him through. Because even on that mountain of death and sadness, Abraham looked over and he saw the mountain of redemption and forgiveness and hope. Friends, you can have the same vision today. You can see the one who's going to carry you through. You can see the one who's going to take you to that place of difficulty and then beyond. Because the place of difficulty is never the end for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. There is always life afterward. Even in the middle of death, there's always life coming. And the one who gave the promise... The promise to Abraham to bless him with an offspring. The one who gives us the promise that in life and in death he will be with us. He is true and he is sure. Friends, lift up your eyes and look and see. Amen.